a podcast, resource, community, and digital media platform. This is Shmoney Radio. But just to be safe, I'm going to plan, which I always think is a good plan, for the first time you try something new, setting up like a little nest egg so that you feel like there's no pressure to meet that break-even point. Good morning and welcome back to Shmoney Radio. I'm your host, Anastasia Barbuzzi, and last week on the Shmoney Radio Instagram page, I asked you what you wanted to hear on today's episode. The answer? Information on starting a small biz. And I wasn't surprised by the results, seeing as there are so many new entrepreneurial adventures popping up during the pandemic. Nevertheless, Thanks to your participation in the Instagram poll, you'll be hearing from an instantly successful Canadian freelancer bright and early today. So get ready to meet my very special guest, Ashley Clausen, aka Clash on Instagram. Ashley is not only a dear friend, she is a photographer and the owner of Soul Atelier Studios in Toronto and Montreal. From her long career as a classical musician in Winnipeg, to her time in the marketing and service industries in Toronto, to finally following her creative intuition to found her own studio, Ashley's journey to working for herself and living for her craft is a come-up story to remember. Plus, the way she captures the female form is something to behold. Today on the show, Ashley and I discuss bootstrapping a small business, making things work during COVID, busting our asses off for cash tips in the big city during our service industry days, embracing artistry, and saving pennies to follow big, big dreams. Though it's fun and chill and laid back filled with tons of catching up, Ashley also touches on some really important topics like having a plan for whatever your big, big dream is. More importantly, during COVID, what your plan should entail And she also discusses what her definition of artistry is compared to creativity. So, if you're interested, let's get right into it. First off, I would love if you could give everyone an introduction to you. What you do now and kind of what led you to pursue the career that you're in. I currently... I'm working as a uh, photographer for the most part. Um, That is my main priority. Um, And my second priority is my babies, which are (laughs) the studios. I have a fully furnished photography studio in Toronto, and I just opened one in Montreal. So I manage those um, and will just do everything for those because I'm the only person involved there. As well as, um, I guess that's... That's pretty much it. The, those are like my three roles, I guess. There's a lot that happens underneath the umbrella of, of having a studio and creating with the other business people and creatives as well. But um, before I, I did what I'm doing now, which I've been doing, I had the studios actually coming up to its one year anniversary um, in Toronto here at June 1st. It'll be one year. Oh, wow. Um, congratulations. Thanks. <laughs> Montreal was still like fresh. Like I opened my doors March 20th, which was like open slash closed doors. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I've been doing photography freelance like fully um, since January 2019. So I've been doing photography for 
as a full-time freelancer. I was doing it before then, but I was also working at an agency, a really small agency a friend of mine has, um, primarily doing some like digital media stuff. So I was helping with running um, one of their subscription boxes that they just decided to have. Uh, I would do everything from blog content curating to trying to tinker around on the site to some marketing strategy to photography. Um, and I kind of dipped my toes into what running your own business would look like there um, and got some experience in, in like the digital world, as well as kind of trying out photography through work, but also like on the sides, I would do it on the weekends. I also worked when I moved to Toronto three and a half years ago, I was very much involved in the service industry. So that was a big part of um, establishing like a little nest egg for me and getting me to a point that I could do have some of the freedoms that I took with starting a business. And before that, I was uh, in Winnipeg. And in Winnipeg, I was a musician for a very long time. So I don't know how much we want to get into like my far <laughs> past about what I did, but I, I think that's a lot of a lot of what I used to do as as a creative person being music for a very long time definitely has influenced my photography in a lot of ways. I really relate to you in that sense. I mean, working in service for so long yeah. and just writing on the side to now doing it full time. It's it's a bit of a process, but I think all those things kind of they kind of all play into one another between communication skills and relatability to people. I think with what you do, photography in particular, that must be really helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. No, the, as much as I kind of resent working a service job for what it kind of did to my relationship, relationship with money a little bit, but just, I don't know, the climate of working at restaurants isn't like, I wouldn't wish that upon my daughter, for example. <laughs> I agree. Um, <laughs> But it was a great use of my time because it gave me a lot of freedom. And I think um, I was very smart with the money that I made uh, by saving it instead of spending it, which is which is very tempting for a lot of people who are in the service industry to spend their their money. Mm -hmm. And of course, I'm I identify as like a textbook introvert. So getting out there and like chatting with people and working on my my persona outside of at home was definitely beneficial. Going back to the studios that you own, Soul Atelier, that's the mm -hmm. name, correct? Yes. You said that there's a lot that goes into the day-to-day -day operations of, you know, running those studios by yourself. So I would actually love if you could explain what that looks like, especially having, you know, one mm -hmm. location in one city and then one in an entirely different province. Yeah, I'm not quite sure how that's going to work because I haven't actually tested it out yet. But when I made the move, I, I was like, I'll have to figure it out, I guess. Um, so a little bit about operational. Once I, when I was here in Toronto, it was great because I did everything. I was here every day. I would clean it between shoots. It basically needs a caretaker, right? Somebody to clean up, clean after every shoot, check on like if there was damage or, and cater to people in that way. And now that I'm not here, I have, I hire people to do that. Um, mostly people I know uh, who are close to the studio. So it's not an inconvenience for them to go in between shoots. That's how I manage. That's the, like the only part I will outsource. I also don't, I'm not here to switch up the furniture as often. 
or buy new furniture. Um, the majority is is ninety percent thrifted. So I've I collect um, things all the time, and that was a big part of the job was hunting for furniture, renting a car, driving whatever two hours away sometimes to go like find the perfect couch or something. Um, so <laughs> I've changed my my the experience a bit. I'm keeping the style the same for now and switching it up once a month when I'm here. But other than that, it, the, a lot of the time for managing the studio, other than when I'm here personally doing my shoots, booking my own shoots with my own clients who like to book uh, the studio is a lot of online work, um, you know, getting emails. I also have a booking platform that has a lot of automated um, processing that has helped in the, with things such as invoicing and collecting payment and collecting damage deposits and having liability insurance, all that stuff. So this platform that I pay for their service has been really helpful, but there's still like, you got to check in every day and see how it's going and letting people in remotely via my phone, looking at the camera, making sure they're leaving on time, following up after with the cleaner, making sure nothing was damaged. It's very you have to be present um, every day because it's a seven-day-a-week job. I'm open seven days a week. My guess is that Montreal is not going to be as busy as Toronto. It's a little different of a, a climate there. So I'm hoping it'll be okay running both. But uh, mm-hmm. Lots of moving parts. And for one person, yeah. it, it sounds like a lot. But I want to go back to where it all started. How did you come to teach yourself photography? I mean, what interested you in taking photos because you have such a beautiful, unique style as well. Yeah, a lot of the theme of, of Ashley's stories is is usually stuff I wasn't planning to do. It wasn't like a goal I set out. I was never like, I want to start a studio one day or I want to be a photographer. A lot of it just happened organically through experimentation and play and curiosity. I was really bored at the one time in my life in Winnipeg and, and wanted to create my own content and, and be in front of the camera. So I was working with photographers and then I didn't really, I was a control freak, let's just say that. And I was like, I want to be the one who's like curating the whole thing and like telling the model what to do. So I was curious about that. I had a friend, a new friend who was a photographer and she was amazing. She's kind of like a mentor to me. So I would ask her my questions. I was friends with the photographer that I worked with as my own me being influencer and and photographer who was learning I would ask her what she's doing and and that's kind of where that sparked and I was like this makes sense I think I think I need to be behind the camera and and I just had a thirst to know more so through a lot of like trial and error um just like doing my own creative shoots in different lighting situations and having my friends who are photographers mentor me through any like questions or issues that I had was kind of where where that all all began, and I mean, I always loved creating a scene or expressing character and emotion, and and capturing it with photography was such a a beautiful process that the start to finish process of photography, even the editing, I love editing, was so gratifying coming from being a musician and especially a classical musician where I would work a year on a song to perform at the Mm -hmm. end of the year for 30 minutes. And it's like, whoa, it took so long. This is like theater almost in a way. You get to like make a stage and and there's a character and and you get to capture work with visual elements. My eyes were all of a sudden stimulated. I never really cared about that stuff before, but uh, I was like, this is, I love this too. So that's kind of how it all 
unfolded and is still unfolding. I mean, I'm, I consider myself in my second year doing photography, like professionally, as in like, I charged somebody two years ago for my first shoot and I'm still growing. There's still a lot more places to take photography. How would you describe your style of work and what spaces of the digital and editorial sector do you work in in particular? I'll make it transparent that about 20% of, let's say my work on a whole, like Ashley's month, 20% of the time I'm doing creative work and that's my own projects where I'm, I have a vision, I find a model, I find a makeup artist, I find a location and I get us all together and I say, we're doing this for creative purposes. Are you all in? And we do our shoots one to two times a month. I like to do that and really build my portfolio that way. So all my editorial work is uh, creative work. It hasn't been um, paid for client work. Um, And about 30% of my time I spend doing commercial work and or commercial or personal. uh, More of it's people who have like a female entrepreneurs or there's a brand that uses models, sometimes product. I'm kind of just dipping my toes in that. I'll be doing those type of shoots or, or maybe the maternity or some, some close friends get me to do their family things, but I'm, I'm more directionally focused on shooting females in a, with an editorial flair, uh, but still with the goal in mind that some of these, my clients obviously are doing it for commercial purposes or something. And then the other 50% of my time um, in a month, I'm spending managing students. So that's kind of where I stand. But I mean, at one point, you started on kind of a freelance basis. So what was your freelance journey like? It was, it was always like this side thing that I did on the weekends. And once I realized that I was starting to have to like say, the next weekend I have free or that I'm available is like two weekends from now, I realized maybe I'm missing out on offering these people something this week. A lot of people are very like media photo. They don't like to do it in advance. It's the nature of the photography business is like people call you, they want their photos done within the next three weeks. So I'm not booking months out. My next, my next month in the calendar is always empty. So I, I knew I was missing them. So I knew I had to let something go. At that point, I was working Monday through Friday uh, at the agency. And I just kind of said to myself, what's my minimum going to be for me to like survive on my hard costs? How many shoots does that mean? Do you think you could do that many shoots a month? And I was like, I think I could. But just to be safe, I'm going to plan, which I always think is a good plan for the first time you try something new, setting up like a little nest egg so that you feel like there's no pressure to meet that break-even point that you can support yourself financially for those like three months. If you're working really hard in three months, your business should be where you expected, like you should be breaking. I think you should be breaking even on your goals or else maybe you need to rethink your business. So that's, that's what I did. I kind of just saved and I worked two serving jobs. So I was serving at nighttime at uh, the restaurant and at a nightclub on the weekends so I was like, I'm just going to work really hard for a couple months, save up. And then in January, I'm just going to say bye to everything. And it, I, I, felt, I felt like the universe caught me. And I was like, oh, people want to work with me and I have time to work with them. <laughs> and it just kind of started flowing naturally, thankfully. Um, but I, I always tend to make decisions on a very like critical, pessimistic side. <laughs> I'm not really 
a big like dreamer. I'm always very cautious. So I'm, I'm usually thinking worst case scenario and how do I prepare myself for that? And I think that it just shows me that like I'm, there's a reality to this and I've been very safe. How long did it take you to confidently embrace that title of artists? Because I think, you know, there's so many people out there that are extremely creative and imaginative and, you know, actually applying their talents to a medium. But it's like, there's kind of that nervousness surrounding actually presenting yourself and calling yourself an artist because it does act as a as a label in a way. But I think that's mm-hmm. also like a natural evolution or, of your talent. Did it always kind of feel like I am an artist for you? It has. It has for me, but it's very similar to bringing up the topic of like imposter syndrome. Yeah. Um, And you mentioned the stigma around calling yourself an artist. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. the moment you decide to be like, follow your, your creative intuition is the moment you have to say, buy stigmas, like get out of here. You have to be true to yourself and you have to honor what's inside of you. So what I did discover is that artistry and creativity can often be used synonymously, but they do have slight differences. They overlap, but they're different to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I want to kind of explain a little bit about what that means for me personally. And I was lo- doing my research and I found this quote from Georgia O'Keefe, who when speaking about success and public opinion and being an artist, she said, whether you succeed or not is irrelevant. There is no such thing. Making your unknown known is the important thing. And to me, I was like, that's what artists do. They don't, it was just like, that's clearly it. And if you identify with that, you're an artist. Mm -hmm. And I think I've always been an artist. I don't think I've ever, I've never felt like saying, oh, there's a time for me to call my, do I, am I worthy of that title? That's never been the case for me, but I've had a very different way of living and a very creative background and I've always, always expressed myself through the arts. Um, So it's very much been a way of life for me from a very young age, whether it was singing and doing music since I was five till I was 24 uh, or, or painting. I was always that kid who was way like zero interest in anything else unless it was creative. So like it was acting um, or making movies or sewing or decorating my bedroom from the Ikea catalog or sewing dresses for my dolls, like <laughs> writing poetry. Like I was into like all of that, like shamelessly into it and and nurtured from, from my parents are both creative, although they, I don't know if they would look at themselves that way, but they were. So I felt very held there, but that's different forms of creativity. Artistry, for me, when I want to give that title to somebody else, like for example, and if I would say, oh, they're a true artist, what I think I mean by that is somebody who maybe either has experience in understanding fine arts or someone who can express and understand with, with all the senses and emotion and is really skilled at doing something in particular and who practices their art daily and they could be like particularly talented it's often like it's often something it's a quality that you can sometimes identify in people I I think an artist is someone who couldn't live life to their fullest without their art and to me that truly is my greatest fear like if, if there was a life with no art or a life with no beauty I'd be like why why am I alive like I I've never needed the validation um it's just it's always felt like 
this is, I have to honor it. This is the only way I can function in the world. <laughs> Going back to the more businessy side of things, what was your understanding of personal finance like prior to bootstrapping your own business? And how has that changed? Because of the nature of my work and lots of creatives work is it's monthly. Like you don't, you're not guaranteed next month's income. Accepting and embracing that sort of fear. I think it's like a lifestyle. I think you have to open your eyes and realize a lot of people live that way, but how can you operate more with long-term and recognize trends? And, And there's a lot of trust in that process. I think some of the things I also, I learned along the way or like thoughts that I, that held me back was that you can only do business if you have money. Loft came, it was originally Loft, but this studio, which is now I call Soul, came to me because my friends were ending their lease. So they were like, do you want it? And I kind of had to make a decision. It wasn't like, I was like, yeah, I'm financially great. I can totally afford this. Uh, or I always wanted this. I, I was like, oh crap. <laughs> I, can't see, I can't stand to see it go. Like mm-hmm. I have to answer this call now. And, and I had to find a way. I had to use my creativity and be like, you're going to find a way. You're going to work it out. You're going to thrift everything. You're, you're going to get all the creatives in. You're going to use your marketing experience to really showcase it off to its greatest potential. And, and all that stuff kind of made me feel like, okay, you kind of got this, I hope. But I would have to like save. Um, budget is budgeting is a huge, huge part that often gets overlooked to be super careful with how much you can actually afford or are willing to spend and knowing like, is it realistic though? Like, did you do your research on how much that thing costs? Cause often we're like, yeah, that'll cost, oh, this is a hundred bucks. This is a hundred bucks. But it ends up being like 170 because you forgot like you need to rent a car or there's like transportation involved or some other thing happens or you're like, oh, right. I forgot. I actually needed like screws and screws are another like extra $10, all those like little things. Um, so being clear with a budget and realistic and understanding like return of your investment, which is something I learned at the creative agency, all that stuff kind of realized I needed to put in place, but also learned along the way. What would you tell anyone who's listening what the biggest thing to consider when making that split second decision is? I mean, obviously you can't plan that much ahead in that moment, Mm -hmm. but I think they should trust their intuition and their capability and their resources and maybe consult somebody who knows maybe business well, or like, instead of just a friend, um, somebody who you admire or look up to and understand like, really, is this going to be a long-term thing? Like, where's your, where's your vision for it going to go? And, and what are your boundaries to know what you're getting into? Um, a best case scenario, a worst case scenario. For me, I also, like, it wasn't just starting a studio and, and relying on just, well, in a way, but relying on the public to, to rent it. I knew that if I serviced my clients here, all the money I made from my photography could go directly to support my rent from the studio. So I wouldn't make any money for a month, but at least, like, I could pay my rent. So I knew that was like my, that could be my worst case scenario, for example. Um, And to me, that's not like a big loss, um, making like breaking even on things. So knowing what that return is going to be and like understanding what the realistic expectation 
would be as well. To kind of wrap things up here, I have a few rapid fire questions as we like to call them. So if there's a few critical tips that you give to females who are bootstrapping their own businesses, what are they? In addition to the ones that I mentioned before, which are most important for like setting up your business plan, I think my top tips would be to trust your intuition, connect. Connection has been huge for me with other like-minded creative entrepreneurs. Go meet new people. Ask a lot of questions to people, anybody. You'd be surprised at how many people are willing to answer your questions. I'm typically an open book uh, when anybody comes to me. And to have a plan for your business, know know what your limits are, know what your boundaries are, bounce your ideas off people um, that you admire and trust and look up to. If there's a message that you could send to other self-employed small business owners right now that are affected by the coronavirus as well, what would that be? My message would be to stay strong, stay hopeful, and keep moving from a heart space. And sometimes that's going to feel really hard and difficult. But there's other people out there who are feeling that with you. Connect, talk about it, let it run its like circle and cycle and then and find beauty in the simple things. Connecting genuinely with others creates one of the most valuable things. Well, thank you so, so much again for sharing today, Ashley. It's been an absolute pleasure to to share and uh, be a part of this exciting podcast. If you took something meaningful away from this episode, please consider smashing that subscribe button on whichever podcast platform you listen through and maybe even check out the ratings and review section too. If anything, send word down the grapevine. I really do appreciate it. And as always, please see the show notes for more details on today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next week. This is Shmoney Radio. Is this thing on?